In this two-part podcast, I will be speaking with Mark and Liam of Wise Up, two addicts discussing their ongoing recovery, tales of destruction, pre-recovery, and the amazing work they do now preventing addiction. Today's podcast has been brought to you by WeConnect Construction, a lead generation website for the construction industry. Check it out, www.weconnectconstruction.co.uk. It's decent. Welcome, Mark and Liam of Wise Up. Hello, Kayla. Uh, hi. For <laughs> 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 my listeners, I just want to say, um, me, Mark and Liam, all went to school together, so yeah. um, I'm, I might be a bit giddier because... Me too. I, always, uh, you, I mean, you don't sound giddy at all. I should have given you a bonus. I'm more nervous because you know us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going to get the real gossip now. Yeah. I've got all sorts of... So, First of all, we'll do this quick fire round. Right. So you just have to answer straight away, both of you at the same time as well. Oh. Whichever one it is. I mean, the really, honestly, some of them are dead sensible. There's just one that made me laugh. So you ready? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Don't try and read them, Mark. No, go on, I, can, I, I can't read, so I cannot. <laughs> right. Meditation or gym? Gym. Meditation. University or apprenticeship? Apprenticeship. apprenticeship. Recruitment or recovery? Recovery. <laughs> that was fastly and well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> employed or self-employed? Self-employed. Instagram or YouTube? Instagram. Instagram. White Lightning or 2020? 2020. White Lightning. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> None, <laughs> actually. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just realised. Oh, <laughs> it's all coming out now. You drink White Lightning with you when we were about 15. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Liam's still hitting the 2020. Oh, <laughs> Brexit or remain? Brexit. Brexit. Remain. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's a common answer, Lou, don't worry. Having kids young or old? Young. young. Stable or impulsive? Impulsive. Stable. <laughs> <laughs> really? You I get a straight face. <laughs> You're such a liar, <laughs> Money or success? Success. success. Night out or night in? Night in. That's a tough one. Mark, it's definitely That's night quick, out. Quick fire, not slow fire. Um, yeah. Night out. Good man. At the cinema. Right, okay. So you've both been ex-addicts. Yeah. Liam, your vice was? Drink drugs. Mark? Gambling. And a few other vices, but the main one that brought it. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say. I'm yeah. thinking that. There's been a few others along the way, but... No, gambling was my thing that brought me to my knees. And how long have you both been in recovery? Me, um, six years. This summer is coming up to six years since I went to rehab and I've not relapsed. I've tried to be in recovery for... 13 years so I first started when I was 21 but I kept relapsing and relapsing oh, really? so six years ago I went to rehab and, and that's my last bet and what, what about you Liam? mine's not that long um, I went to rehab about two just over two years ago but I didn't do so well when I come out of rehab it went a bit worse did you relapse then? yeah a good few times like yeah yeah and so how long have you since your last relapse? since my last relapse about a year alright oh, okay congratulations yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's, the, so that's yeah. what I'm actually when you were saying then about the dream for those who don't know, White Lightning is a cider and 2020 is just, I don't even know what it is. But you was like, oh, I shouldn't say anything. So do you not drink now? No, I've not had a drink for two and a half years. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, you've yeah. stopped the drink way before? Yeah, the drink was easier to stop, to be honest. And um, so then the cock? Drugs, yeah, yeah. Is, is that what it was, cock? It was, yeah. I had a few other things along the way because like, at the end I was like taking other prescription stuff to manage the day-to-day ups and downs as well. So, um, um, But yeah, cork was like bad. Um, but yeah, to, I've not had a drink for like, be just about, but just over two and a half years I've not had a drink for. Not having food, nothing like that. My mum always said to me, never trust somebody who doesn't drink. But I think I've trusted right. that She's you don't drink. She's probably right. She's probably right. Your mum didn't make me. Your mum went glass of wine. Never trust anyone. Holding a wine. 
<laughs> yeah. Who doesn't drink? Get it smashed back. <laughs> and what about you, Mike? So you still drink, didn't you? I still drink, yeah, um, but in a much more responsible way, if there is a responsible way. So I used, because I was gambling all the time, I used drink and drugs as an escape. So I get absolutely levered to sort of forget my problems. Well, after you'd like lost the money? Yeah, yeah. So I'd usually gamble Monday to Friday, and then weekends I didn't really gamble. It was more, in fact, I probably did. I probably gambled on a Saturday, but it was more so Sundays just when you were off yeah when I was in bed I when, you, when you couldn't be a house getting out of bed yeah no but for me it was more um, escape I used it as an escape whereas now my intentions are a lot different so I might go and have a few pints and, and watch the football in a pub it's not to go out and get leathered so I drink in a much more in a different fashion yeah and you've never relapsed then for six years no for me me gambling so obviously Liam touched on then that he'd relapsed but that was really Liam's first time in recovery yeah my first time in recovery, he always says, Mark, I didn't re- relapse, I was a success, but I tried fellowship meetings, which is like Gamblers Anonymous, and it wasn't that that didn't work, it was I was probably not ready, I was a 21-year-old lad. Yeah. When I reached the point of going into rehab at 28, I'd had enough. Yeah. And it were like, I always say it were life or death for me, that it was like, I would have either wanted to take my own life, someone would have taken my life because of the mess that I was in. Yeah, I do oh. kind of remember all this chaos. Yeah, yeah. My neighbour well, was telling me all about you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I say this sometimes, me, whenever, because obviously me and Mark, we have mutual friends and kind of cross paths. We weren't like side by side all the way through. Yeah. And every time you'd meet up with someone who knew Mark, there'd be a new story, a new this, a new yeah. that. And it were like it were like little thought, oh, like, what's he been up to? And there'd be another tale, like, yeah. come out about him. I just said so much stuff. And I, because, obviously, <laughs> I always got on with you both at yeah, school. Yeah. And you was both relatively normal as well. You weren't, like, the naughty ones yeah, in school. Yeah, yeah. You, obviously, you had your son, Callum, yeah. at 15, was 15, you? 15, yeah. So that was a bit out there. Yeah, and not so normal exactly. but other than that you just both like played football and normal lads yeah you just you just cracked on but you was clever as well when you leave you was like in upper band no, no you were in lower pants you were in that big that's because I was busy uh, getting girls pregnant yeah. Yeah. <laughs> instead of revising <laughs> yeah yeah I was alright at school I kind of I'll be honest with you I coasted through school really yeah um, I wasn't there a lot um, in sort of fifth year and all that like, um, but I, I, when I worked at school I honestly thought I had everything stitched up because I was popular um, with a few different groups you know what I mean yeah. I was one of them I was with a few different groups um, I wasn't really naughty or really sort of swatty I was signed in the middle Yeah. and I, I had teachers on side me like I used to get signed out by the deputy head every day you know what I mean yeah. like I'd, I'd and I just, I, I honestly thought I had everything stitched up at school. I weren't, I'm not being like an idiot when I say this, but I didn't put that much effort in. I just kind of like got through and yeah, well, I was all right. I did and then right, you, you like. did your A-levels as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did A-levels, degrees, all that Did stuff. you do a degree? Yeah, yeah. You got uni, yeah. What did you do? Building, surveying property management. So a minute ago then when we did that quick fire, you was like, oh, um, apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. So you've changed your mind since though. I knew I, did, I knew I shouldn't have done it then. Oh, I right. spoke to my mum at 16 and I said, oh, I can't do this, I need to do an apprenticeship. I told mum I was losing my mind at 16. Really? Yeah, yeah, because I'd started everything then. That's the thing. Like, Had uh, you? Yeah, yeah. So, like, what I, didn't know, is that, I didn't know this. No, I when didn't. he came living with me and the wheels came off, I was taking classes at school. No, you wasn't, Liam. I was, honestly. <gasps> I can't believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like I used that. sometimes to get pissed before school. I think yeah, we all yeah. did, though, at some um, point. I remember I, w- I was stoned for my French exam. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not like classic. I remember finding out one of the lads, I won't mention him on here, 
took, taken a class A in school and I didn't speak to him. What's the cl- what do you mean? As like an, an E? An ecstasy, and I was like, how oh, can you do friend. that? And people had died. I remember the stuff with like Leah Betts and stuff like that, so I was very anti-drugs. Yeah. Me, I had to hide it from all my mates because we all smoked weed and, yeah. and they were all anti-class A's. But I had like an older group outside and this, that and the other and stuff, so yeah, I'd already gone on it then. Oh my god! Yeah, so then yeah. you didn't want to go to uni because no, was you I didn't like, oh, it's go. not for you, or was you just like, oh? Um, I didn't like academics. Mm. I didn't like school and, and all that stuff. But I knew, I knew. I honestly, I'm gonna. I knew, and I said to me, I remember saying to my mum, "Mum, I don't want to go to college. I don't want to go to uni." But my mum had had to fight for her educa- education, yeah. like, and she put like a lot of value on it. And she says, "You don't know how lucky you are to have the brain to do it." And she said, "So you need to do it. It'll open doors." But I'd seen what happened when people got uni, do you know what I mean? Like, I knew what uni life was. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it. And I remember having the conversation, and she, she, said, she said, if you don't do it, you're going to have to go. Like, and I, she weren't being harsh, like, and I don't think she meant it, but I remember saying it. Yeah, I, I no, remember but the conversation. She thinks she's like, doing the best for you, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not realising. So, so, and then exactly what I thought had happened, happened probably ten times worse in a way. Like, I knew I'd abuse it. I, I was abusing school. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I knew I knew I could post. I knew I'd have loads of spare time, and I had a lot of money when I was at uni. So I knew I knew what was going to happen. Um, so yeah. So when I say apprenticeships, I, and too and, and I'm like, but too many people got uni and do courses that lead to nothing. And then they've, in my opinion, they've gone for nothing. I think it, it has to be about vocation for me. And I don't think you should necessarily have to know what you want to be forever at 16. But I think it should guide you down a path. Whereas this, you know, you can go to uni. Uh, and honestly, I totally agree. Like, like I did go to uni. I, I went the year after you, yeah. so I took a year out. I'm doing religion and special needs. But when I, I just did it really because nobody in my family had been to uni. And at that time as well, I was like, I wanted to be an RE teacher because of Miss Mackay, actually. I know you're no like, way. everybody like I hit see it her up. in church sometimes with kids. Oh, you're joking. Yeah, honestly, up, you've honestly. got to ask her if she'll give you her email address for me because. She's on a podcast. No, yeah, get her on a podcast. <laughs> no, because I was asking Mr. O'Neill and all these little teachers if they'd give me details. So I, I just wanted to thank her, actually. That. She was like, um, obviously, everybody has different shit going on at school that like you wouldn't know about. It, and so I had shit going on as well. And she was like, like a bit of a mentor and counsellor for me so I thought oh I want to do that for other people so I knew though I needed to go to uni because I needed a degree to be a teacher yeah, yeah. and yeah. in that instance then it's fine to go to uni but like with yourself where it's your parents or your upbringing and people are like oh you should go you should go and then you do media studies and then end up working in Amsterdam it's not really oh, the right yeah, message yeah. to agree. send out is it <laughs> I would so. always be for apprenticeship what did you do at school? Apprenticeship went six form so you got six pounds. Yeah, what, yeah. What resetting? You didn't no. do that. <laughs> no, I did. I did for my first. I, listen, resetting. Okay. Amazing. No, basically at school I didn't try because I thought it was going to be a footballer. And yeah. literally, I just didn't try. I didn't curve. Yeah, you were good. You played for interleague and that, didn't you? Played for interleague, Man City, Town Team, County. So I had a Callum at fifteen. I had my first bet at that age. Um, I was sort of reintroduced to my dad around that age. He was a gambler as well. So I had some like major life oh, events at, at that at that time. But then did alright in my GCSEs mum will have you've done alright considering you're not trying you should like, stay on I love the difference in the parenting reaction like your mum's surprised like oh yeah yeah continue yeah yeah like Few months before, my mum was actually a family planning nurse, and I had a kid at fifteen, so that don't make much sense. Oh my yeah, that's the irony. Well, I tell this story sometimes. She actually at fourteen, so the year before I had a kid, she brought me some condoms home, and I went in school and made water bombs with them. Oh my god! <laughs> so that is where that got me. Um, oh, but you wouldn't change it now, though, obviously. Would I? No, 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 but. Yeah, so I did all right. Went to sixth form, more to play football, and then after a year, left 
I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. It was more like, go that way, go that yeah. way. In all honesty, my head was spinning that much because I'd had our callum. Yeah. So on GCSEs, when there was work, I think we got a few hours in between exams. Yeah, yeah, we did. I'd go to our callums and be feeding them. I've got photos with my uniform on. Okay. And I look at my youngest, Mackenzie, now who's in fifth year, who's still a little boy, and I think, oh, we're a dad at his age. I know, that was him, I know. Well, that was you, I mean. Yeah. I think it's mad, like, you've got kids, I've got kids. I know how hard it is at 30-odd. Yeah, I know. So when I think about God, it's just That's it. I, I'm 35 and I have like a decent enough job in that, but I'm still with Grace and that. Oh my God. It, it's it's still, you have stressful times, sleep with sex and all that. So at 15 That's year it. old, when all your mates are playing out still. Yeah. Like yeah. literally, at 15, I was still playing out. Well, it's mad actually, because when I was walking in here, I said, God, it reminds me of being a kid, this. But what it actually reminds me of walking in here is family planning's though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that, that's where I found out. And from that moment, this is the, the guy said to me when I found out, he said, positive. So what does that mean? The test. Oh, my God. I was gosh. like, that's it. And I went and sat on Queen's Park for like two hours, crying with Makita and just crying, going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then went home. So then I learned to have this secret for two weeks. My mum thinking, my, what's up, what's up? She's thinking I'm taking drugs. She's thinking I couldn't tell her for two weeks. I thought she'd be disappointed. But again, around that time is when I had my first bet. And gambling in the bookies was the only place in the world that I felt like I weren't being judged or people really? wouldn't think bad of me. Yeah. So I literally could go in there and think problems and then I'd walk back out the door and think, Oh, I'm going to be a dad. So both of you, though, it both started at a similar age then. You, yeah, yeah. When yeah. your addictions then yeah, started. Yeah. What well, I would think is really young, because I, I thought with you both, at least, like, when you, like, left uni. Yeah. Or, do you know, like, when you're, like, 20-odd. That's that's when the stories start to come out, but really the foundations are set prior to that, aren't they? Yeah, and, yeah, and I think you, there's... It's in secret, really, when you, you start. Yeah, I think, like, you, you sort of set a pattern in place when you're younger that then your addiction can latch onto almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, and then you're in, like, this routine, yeah, it? Yeah, so yeah, a lot yeah, of addiction yeah. is breaking a routine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. just what you're used to doing. So you have to get a totally different life because that's yeah, all you've been yeah. And from such a young age as well, then the routine's well embedded, isn't it? Yeah. Especially for you because that's gone on for a yeah, very long like time. 19 and... years drinking drugs. Fucking yeah, hell. Yeah. And so do you not feel proper fresh now? Yeah, it's a bit weird really, like physically and like in terms of being productive and all that stuff, yeah? Because like... I don't have this thing pulling me back, but then on the other hand, mentally and and sort of emotionally, sometimes like I I, I find it hard because I've never probably felt anything to full effect because I've always yeah. had drinking drugs on the eyes, the lungs, the bits and yeah. the crotch. And so yeah. like so like now, I feel like some, sometimes like I just feel like the volume's been turned up on my head and my emotions sometimes, and yeah. it's quite hard. Like it's up and down, and I do find that hard sometimes. But, do yeah. you, would you think that you would have perhaps to have a mental illness with uh, both? Yeah, and that's what's gone into this. Or do you think it's circumstance? Because obviously there wasn't like a mental thing <coughs> when we was younger. Not not well, like, like it is now. Yeah. So do you think if perhaps well, do you I'll think it you was something first. like that? No, I think I still would have gambled. I think I my life was plain sailing. I live with my mum, good at football, like girls, and it was like everything was just going well. And then the first bit of stress that came in my life, I couldn't handle it. I mean, it's a bigger man. That's a life changer for. It, yeah. I, I got pregnant with Harrison. He was twenty nine, and his head fell off at twenty nine. You know, and he's got his job and everything and he's like and his edge yeah. went with it so at 15 that is a bit of a yeah but I remember I remember being a kid of about nine year old falling through a skylight in a, in a school um, roof and landing in the classroom and my mate having like get me out and worrying like mad and not and not telling anybody so instead of just going home or telling me when it was like this thing and bottling it up so I never really handled stress well and I think I just developed a dysfunctional way of dealing with stress me and it was like yeah 
if I can't handle anything. So as much as that was a major life event, I didn't really handle stress well. Every little bit of stress. But then you don't really know how to with that. If you've not had it, you really like, when you're a child, you have little bits of stress, don't you, where you'll fall off your bike or you lose the game of football. Or yeah. There'll be little bits of things that go on and then it's so you learn to manage these little bits. So then when you get into an adult, at whatever age, then you have a child, you, you're a bit more prepared for, for all these bits. But if you both of you have sat here and said, it was just plain sailing. All of it's just like been plain sailing and yeah. then you go, or bump something. But what happened with you? What was your... Well, I, see, I, my answer's it's similar to what Mark was just saying then, but it, see, I, I think, looking back, I genuinely think I always had this thing of fitting in. Um, genuinely think that. Like, um, and, and I also had that thing that a lot of lads grew up with, which is like wanting to be all right, look all right, see all right. Do you know mm. what I mean? My, my own life, I'm not saying it was bad in any way, but... It, I, I think I was aware that it wasn't necessarily normal quite early on because I've seen everyone else's setups. Do you know what I mean? And it was different. And so I think that was always this. So like, I always wanted to look all right. I always wanted to, I don't know, like, I just always felt like I needed to, to present myself a certain way. Do you know what's, do you know what's so weird way. is I felt exactly the same as you. I would have yeah. felt exactly the same. And so I would have had been friends with all different people and never had just a close-knit group of yeah, friends. Yeah. I would just, because it was like this need for acceptance. Yeah. And then it was Kieran, actually, who I was talking to a couple of years ago. And he was like, oh, yeah, you were, you had it all. You you had it all got put together or whatever. When you, when you was a kid, I had no money. When you were a kid, you see everybody else as being better than you Definitely, in some way. Yeah, and like, yeah. oh, yeah. so I need, and we was growing up, getting free school uniforms and free dinners and you know at school it's that embarrassing isn't it so I was always feeling really like oh we don't have anything and we're so poor and oh I, I want to prove that I've got Makes something you overcompensate yeah yeah it? yeah and um, then but so looking at you I would have thought like you had everything you lived in a fancy area in Bolton you, you were dead good in school and stuff so me judging you as a child I would never have thought you see, didn't have yeah, it together see this is, the, and this is the thing this is that pretending thing because I had I just had a, what I'd only describe as a, a bit strange setup. Um loved and all that I'm not like question any of that but like you said then lived in a fancy area I had moved house three times when I was at Farn Lee because my dad got sent down and so did he? exactly so my dad so I always had this thing of fitting in then this thing come up I'd already started using drinking drugs my dad got sent down what overnight um, it was like to do with HMRC and fraud and tax and all this stuff oh, right, okay. but I, went, I, I didn't know he had a thing going on um, I went, I always, I've, I've said this a few times, like one Friday morning, my dad didn't live with us and all that. What, did your mum and dad separate? Yeah, he'd never lived with us um, when, I, when I was growing up, like, and I never knew where my dad lived, which was a bit weird. I, I, but my dad was always a figure in Bolton. My dad was always a bit of a figure in the, uh, he was a well-known businessman and all that sort of stuff and, and, and successful. But I, I, like I say, it was just a re- I knew that that wasn't what everyone else had. And, and um, so one, anyway, one Friday morning, and he picked me up we went for a McDonald's breakfast before school which was like really weird and I remember sitting opposite and he just said look he said something's come up I'm in court today it might be in the paper but it'll be alright and then I went to school come on my mum put us on a train to Brighton to stay with my sister who was at uni and we got a phone call your dad's gone there for seven years that was it done so and you never actually knew why at that time I didn't know anything at that time I didn't even know there was anything going on and then um, because of the way it was like with my dad and all that sort of stuff my Obviously, a proud man, like, and so he didn't want anyone to know, even though we were in paper. So we pretended he weren't. Right. So it was like dead weird. So like, I was in school on Monday, like totally everything was normal, and, and nobody did nobody know. I didn't know about it. No one. Did I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone. Um, you don't really read papers when you're school, do you? No, not really. I did. But I, but but the thing <laughs> is, like, balls. wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think like teachers or someone had seen it or said it or this that and the other? Yeah. And there were none of that, and um, but then again, that did, why did your mum not say something to the teacher? 
pictures and be oh, like, listen, oh, this I, is because normally they say this is going on at home. You know, if somebody dies and they're like, so keep your eye on them. Or I don't know, I don't know. I, I, it was just a really strange time, and like we didn't really speak about it in the house. It was like if we pretended it wasn't, it wasn't. You know. And did you so like did you never go visiting him or anything? Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, 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 regularly. Like, but he weren't in a local nick. Like he was. I think it was that I ended up in Stoke, so yeah, we'd drive them back like at Christmas and Easter, and I was horrible, it was horrible. Um, oh God. But I'm not blaming any of that. Like, I, like it's just that's just one of them things. But what I was trying to get to was like, so I'd already started taking drinking drugs a bit by then. But then this, like, I always, I've said it to Mark and a few times when we've been presenting. Like, I think it's just a perfect storm, a bit like your perfect storm. You know, I'd formed this relationship with drinking drugs somewhat come up I needed to pretend I was alright and so I hammered that more like it just kind of all sort of just just sort of all set a path off do you know what I mean so was um, was you just like at first you were just having what 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 was your Thing. We didn't. We didn't drink like we. We didn't alcohol really to set off. But like I never. I. I honestly think. I. I think I'm like the addict through and through me. Like whatever I turn my hand to, I've got 120. percent And I. And even yeah. Well, they say age, like you have an addictive. Per- I've definitely got an addictive personality. I would never touch drugs. And the I reason you is. Said that to me. hundred percent. Because I think I if I did, I'd just like be a heroin addict. I'd just go completely yeah. overboard. So I just would never do it. Like there'll be times when I will just go at it with drink. Well, and then I'd be like, oh God, I've had a drink every day for three months. Yeah, I really shouldn't. But it doesn't seem like an issue. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not getting hungover anymore. I should stop. And but the same, I think it makes you successful in business as well. I think, yeah, I think you, you can put it to different things that can be positive. Um, but like even that young age, like drinking and drugging and all that sort of stuff. I think I wanted to blow my head off all the time. Like I just could, and and I honestly thought I've said this a few times. Like I thought that was something I could do well, and it made me fit in with a lot of people. That yeah. you know, like a lot of crowds and stuff. Um, so yeah, I just think it was like this perfect storm that went on. But yeah. you know pretending to be alright like this double life type thing going on fitting in and also not dealing with what's going on so then so uh, so then you leave university and you're like deeply in the midst of Mm. you're an addict at this point and then did you start you you, so you had a recruitment company did you start that Uh, straight away no 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 so when I went to uni um, my dad had just come back and I didn't really want to move away so I got an house and rented rooms out and to be honest with you that, I think that's where everything just went boom like you know like ev- everything set off on a path then like sort of really hammered it um, but I finished uni obviously I've been with Vicky since I was young Vicky knew nothing of what was going on and then when I finished uni I think I think I always thought the next big milestone had stopped me and made me behave so like getting a professional job or getting Vicky to move in I always thought that yeah. I'll stop then I'll stop then and, and I weren't really but no I, I think finished uni and got into a building surveying like professional job and went down that road um and then with the construction industries you'll know we worked in like education um building colleges and stuff and it got like all the funding got pulled off you remember it about yeah. be about 11 years ago 12 years ago um and at that time that's when i jumped into recruitment my dad had a firm and it weren't it was it was taking a hit really this is since he's come out of prison he started yeah, oh yeah yeah, firm yeah, yeah, and then... yeah yeah um and so we um i said he, he always was apprehensive about me going working with him because he's like look if it doesn't work and this that and, that, and, I, yeah. and I said look i'm up opportunity here um, my industry's on it i asked like I said, now's the time let me come in and see what i can do and so that's when i went in yeah, and, but that was really successful in the end, your recruitment, recruitment. company. Recruitment, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, we built it up to a national, we were number one in the sector. We built it up to a national business. We had 30 odd staff. Um, we refurbished a whole suite of offices. We were 
worked all over the country. Um, and throughout you still bang at it. Mm. That's nuts, isn't yeah. it? I had periods where I'd like kind of drop off, but it'd be when I switched to something else. So like if I was like training or something like, but you still did all my martial arts, Thai yeah. boxing stuff. So like I'd focus on that and think, right, was that stopping me? But that just got out of control as well, you know, like, so yeah. it's like it always had to, but yeah, it was always, and at first it was more like I'd be good for a bit and then I'd binge like mad and getting a load of, and then be down. But then it just got to a point, it was just 24 seven, so. Yeah, it good, really. And then what about you, Mark? So you've had your kids, you did do your A-levels, dropped out. Yeah, um, so around that time when I had my first bet, I won. Uh, the first time I ever gambled, I won a lot of money. My dad gave me £100 and said, that's your gambling money for today. And I was like, what do you mean? I remember putting oh 50 in that pocket for some trainers. I thought, I'll just gamble with this, this money in this pocket. And I won about 400 quid. At the time, I was already looking at prams. I had a job cleaning pots and raking leaves and then a job at originals they earn about 30 quid a week you were looking at brand for like 500 quid i was like am i going to afford this so when i won this money i honestly thought oh i'm good at this this is a way out from that time then from me sort of at college when we we're at six form i used to always sneak off to blackburn road um, and go to labbrooks no one really knew it then and I was sort of making it like I look good, so I'd only tell people my wins that I'd had, I'd yeah. never tell them about my losses. Then I, I dropped out of college and went for an apprenticeship, and that was more so because my family were going, you need to get a job, you need to get a job. I didn't really want to be an electrician. Um, I wasn't passionate about it one bit, but went to college. But when I went in for my interview, the director said, are you sure you don't want to come in the office? And he knew some, he knew a family member of mine and said, I really want him in the office. I said, no, I'll try it on site. Went on building site with 30 lads, loved the crack with the lads, weren't really focusing on my work, but I'll give you an example of things that were happening at that time. I started gambling heavy. Um, I'd started borrowing money off family members. So he was like 18 at this point? Yeah, payday loans. In fact, I don't think it were payday loans, it was more like overdrafts, loans, um, and family members. And then I'd be the apprentice that went for all the sandwiches um, on site, so I'd like get 30 guys go around, what do you want, bacon and egg, out of this big list. I had about 60-odd quid change for, I'm going to go to the bookies with it. I'm going to win, I'll win, I'll win here. I gambled every penny, and I remember the last dog watching this dog thinking, I've got, to go, I've got to go back with no sandwiches for him. I remember ringing Jordan O'Shaughnessy saying, where are you? I need some money. I've gambled all dinner money. He was actually crying, laughing on the other end of the board. <laughs> going, you've done what? I'm like, oh, mate, please help me. He said, I can't. I'm not, I, I, you were too far away. I had to walk back and I just said, I couldn't say anything. They were like, where have you been? I should have been back at 10 to 1. It was 1.30. And they was like, where have you been? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they going, he's gambled it. He's gambled it. And I went, so even, did they know you was a gambler? They knew that I was gambling a lot but it was more bravado with me going oh I've done this I've, I've been yeah. really I was losing money hand over fist um, so that was like the first time really that I remember something really going wrong with me gambling where and, I had repercussions like yeah I'm feeling really embarrassed because as much so then why did you continue I just again that that, that way of thinking that was my way out. So I was doing an apprenticeship at the time, £100 a week, for trying to bring a son up. At that time, I'd had another son with another girl, so I weren't doing it by halves. I had no money. So I had two kids. I ran £100 a week. I had to pay for my own travel to Manchester that cost me 30 quid a week. I had about 30 quid over for food, anything else. Wasn't a lot. It, it wasn't enough, and I always used to think I'll gamble. So I was just into everybody for money and always making things up that didn't exist. Yeah, no. So I don't. 
I know a few stories. Yeah, yeah. I, the truth behind me, I, I don't know the full truth. I've never yeah, yeah. really spoke to you about it. But I heard you was... So then you got into being a quantity surveyor. Yes. So, right. So from the uh, being an electrician, on my second year, I had six months off work um, and I thought I was going to get sacked. And I literally, it's mad. The, the day I thought I need to sort my head out and I was staying at my nan's at the time. My mum had kicked me out and I went for a jog. I went to my granddad's grave and I was like, please help me, I'm in trouble. And I got back home and the director from Barrett's had rang up who said, why don't you come in the office? And said, why don't you come in the office instead of being off on the sick? So I ended up getting a job as an estimator in the office, worked my way up over three years and did pretty well there. And then sort of got poached from another company that was uh, that was in construction, but asked me to be a QS and they put me through uni. So I'd be about 19, 20 at this point. Went on to do that. Um, so I, I was going to work every day in a shirt and tie. So everyone thought, hey, you're all right, you. Underneath, my world was just crumbling. It was just based on bullshit. So I was always like, thought I had gift of the gab and was cheeky chappy and all that. Really, I was pressed. The wheels had well and truly come off. I was in debt. I was building mad debts with the wrong sort of people. Um, and I used my position wearing a shirt and tie to make people think, oh, he's got a new company car. I'll give him money. So I started making things up that I could get things. So I'd literally lose money in a bookmaker's and then it'd just be like, right, I'm going to go and get some money. I could walk out of a bookies and I'd get money in minutes. Whether it was a phone call, I remember one time walking out of a bookmaker's thinking, I put £20 in a roulette machine or in a lot of debt at the time. And I got it up to £8,000. A Chinese man were behind me going, keep going, keep going. Now, I didn't need encouraging anyway. I would have kept going anyway. But <laughs> I kept going. About an hour later, I'm holding onto the machine with this eight grand just gone and then just snap, snapped into command mode and thought, I'm going to get some money. I walked out of the Charlie O'Rourke Buckies, walked down Charlie O'Rourke, seen some Asian lads that I knew were involved in dodgy dealings but had money about them. I just walked straight over to them and I still didn't know at that point what I was going to say to them and I thought about it just as I was walking over. So they'd already shouted, mate. I'd gone like that and I just approached them and went, oh, I'm off going getting loads of mobile phones, Nick mobile phones. My mate's got a truck full. What phones are they? At the time, it was 6230s that were like the, the phone to be. Yeah. 6230s? I can, yeah, I can get them half price. It's that other. I had three grand in me and within about five minutes walked straight back up the back street plummeted it in lost it and thought oh my god am I going to get away with this three grand what in a roulette machine in a roulette machine and at that time a roulette machine dogs horses I was just gambling and everything but I'm going to have to front it so I always look people in whites to their eyes I was confident and don't give away tips to people no <laughs> no no but this it, is the key yeah no no it was bad I walked back on the shell garage and I said, I knew I shouldn't have got involved with it. They went, where have you been? I said, I knew I shouldn't have got involved with it. Yeah, but give me more money. I'm going to give you your money back. You need to buy so many to get them at this price. I've not got the money. Blah, 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 blah. They didn't turn around and say, show me the money. They went, how much more money do you need? And I got another two grand off them. I walked straight back up the back street. I lost it. In about an hour, my mum is on the phone. Lots of Asians round at the house and all that. that was... So what did you do? <laughs> um, I got a phone call threatening my life. To be honest, that was one of the phone calls because he was very softly spoken, this guy. And all honesty, I just didn't have to pay it back. You never give him back? But it was drug money anyway, so... Well, it's I don't, like don't want to say on here, but no, look, it's not about that. I've just never had it to give him back. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality... I've been skint since. Yeah, yeah. But in reality, that's that pattern then went on. And in the end, I was selling fresh air. I was always, I was always selling fresh air. No, I was here. I, I heard like, oh, I give him all this money because he's going doing fag runs. Yeah. And then there were no fags. Was, yeah, there was. There were no fags. <laughs> there were no fags. <laughs> and then there were no money back. <laughs> there were no fags. There were no iPads. There were no Man United tickets. 
There were no door handles. And then you was guaranteeing work on site as well, saying, oh, I'll get you on the site if you give me some money. Yeah, so I'm promising people jobs. So I'd say to a roofer, um, I can get you this job. Probably had about five different roofing companies giving me money for the one job. And I worked in decision making. But anywhere. this is that. So when I know about this, I was like 27, 28, and this yeah. is when it all started falling apart for you because then I heard like this has happened with Mark yeah. but I heard it of people who was like it's fucking bullshit there's not it, saying yeah. you were basically you was going to kill yourself but they were saying he's not doing it's all for attention because you don't want to give me back this tank I think you ordered this guy like 10 yeah, grand or something well do you know what so obviously you're going to get like a mass amount of hate from people but is that actually was you going through that well and truly deserved and I totally get that in all honesty of course I was thinking about killing myself but I totally get it was like because I couldn't handle the consequences that's true but there'd be times around that time that I'd be going on internet and looking at ways of doing it so as much as people people often say this thing of it's a cry for help it's this it's that but there are people that are wanting a cry for help and go and do it Yeah. so it's alright I was at that stage it was wasn't because I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with the mess that I created. I were a bottle job. I couldn't turn around to these people. I was always waiting. So these people would give, give me money, large sums of money, 20, 30 grand in the end. And I'd be with them a lot of the time. And I knew I'd gamble the money. And they'd be like, going, when's that money coming in? And I'd, oh and I'd be going, yeah. And I'd be, I'd be like sending myself emails on black accounts and showing them emails. Oh so it was just this web of deceit and lies and thinking, they're going to speak to him and, they, and then there'd be people walking. I think up. that's what happened in the end though, wasn't it? Then people started talking to each other and everybody yeah. was like, well, he's, he said he's doing this he's for me. Done he's it, doing it to me. I know I kept it for about two years where all these people had given me this money and they went, he said this with me, fags, and he said this with me, iPads, and it just went bang. And that is the point where I couldn't handle it. I was literally going home to my house in Belmont and thinking, I'm going to kill myself every day. And I mangled my head were at that point saying to him the other day my pots have built up in the sink and I just get the pots out of the sink put them in a bin bag and chuck them in the bin and then I win some money and go and buy some new pots mm-hmm. instead of washing them like I couldn't bear just think I'm not washing pots it was all just like not one family member at that time was speaking to me which were, I think were a massive part of what I've lost my mum my mum with my best because you'd gambled up. her money as well um, I gambled her money um, years before it wasn't that she was just sick of drama the drama bearing in mind in between that story I went on the run to two different countries I was a QS on a Friday night and on Monday I was washing pots in a kitchen in the Channel Island three days after that he sacked his second chef and I got a chef uniform on I can't even make toast without burning it <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm prepping this salad so I remember thinking how am I here in the chat it was just my life was absolute nuts and I went to a place where there's no bookies mum said there's a place called Sark um, there's no bookmakers there and I thought oh, I'll be alright then and I played cards Oh, it's nuts, isn't it? But you will find, if you're an addict, you'll find your vice anywhere you go. Yeah, I would have bet on two cockroaches running up a wall. (laughs) I would have bet on anything. So, yeah, look. Yeah, remember when I was at school, you used to play that coiny thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where it started for you. Yeah, yeah. Winning a couple of two Bs. And I I always lost. I've always been bad at it. Maybe that first time when I gambled, I won and that was the thing. But after that, I lost every time. But, yeah, so that lifestyle just caught up with me. When I was taking this money off people, I never thought I was ripping them off 
honest to God on my kids' life. I always thought as a gambler, I'll win, I'll give them the money back, I'll pay that and that, and there were times that I did. So people would give me large amounts of money, and the day after, I'd give them double, and they'd be like, what? You said it was going to be like four weeks, but it's because I won so much. They'd be going, like a big plastic bag full of money. Well, I think that's what had happened when, with this bag run thing, because they said, it, yeah, they is. give you money, and then you you come back, and they give you a bit, whatever it was, like 500 pence, and then you give them double the money, or whatever it was yeah. back. So then you went, another time, oh, I'm going again. And so yeah, then, then yeah. they've gone, bump and give you loads of money yeah they did and then you didn't give them anything yeah money. yeah yeah no. do you ever do you ever no. speak to any of these yeah people? of course look and we'll touch on the on the business side of things but since rehab i got an illness i was diagnosed in the i was on benefits for four years why what's uh, your illness i've got inflammatory bowel disease so like colitis and basically it was started going to the toilet a lot in, in rehab I, in fact i've been going to the toilet a lot when I, in the bookmakers stressed though isn't it that? yeah so it's not like ibs it's literally it's it's a disease what i've got what i've got um and i got diagnosed when i was in rehab but it's because it's the first time that i'd slowed down and thought yeah my health's not right here my mental health was just shot at physical health was shot at i was proper broken like when i turned up at rehab i was like uh, they said i walked in fell on a chair and put my hands up and went please help me mm-hmm. and that was like me just surrendering from from me being a dad and I don't want to say that's you know what I mean but that stressful point in my life to being 28 year old and all these people that I'd upset who you might not believe but I actually did like a lot of them and people are like well, you can't afford that much of them I love my ad- addiction more than anything else Yeah. more than my own family and I love my family to bits but I upset people along the way so what I'm get- getting at is the money that I owed that I thought I owed was treble what I thought I owed in hundreds of thousands when I got to rehab and I thought it was less than 100 and they told me to write on a piece of paper and I was like, kept going and going and then the day after I remembered another 50 that I'd forgot mm-hmm. and I had just completely. So it's life-changing money but it's not that I've wrote that money off. I've, I've definitely not. My intention is to pay every penny off and I do believe I could people skills to get them. I had the gift of the gab to get it. Yeah, you'd you, be a good salesman. Yeah, you tried actually. You, in fact, when, my, when the wheels had well and truly come off in my mid-20s I remember bumping into you and you took me to your offices. You, you and Lee John picked me up in the morning. I don't remember. Oh, Dro- I'm an addict. <laughs> I, I drove to Aberton and you're like, you'll be sat there. Michaela's just like, I said, I'll come for a chat and I bring Michaela's already got me a chair. I'm going to do this. I want all your contacts. Oh, no, I do remember you because you've been a QS, haven't you? Yeah. So I was like, oh, he's going to know loads of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I sat down with you and... And I was like, what? And, and to be honest, I knew I was just in all sorts of a mess. And I knew if I'd got if I'd gone, I said, okay, oh, I can't do it at this time and all that. Um, but yeah, just absolutely. It's a good job you swerved her out. She might have had me off. I would have had no, for right? No, Did you no. ever get beat up? Yeah. A lot? Um, not a lot, but I had. Um, I walked out of David Lloyd. This one about 22. Um, and I owed some lads some money from Manchester. They asked for it. And basically said, um, have you got the money? I tried to start this mad spiel. And they put the phone down on me must have thought you're full of shit you walked out of the gym how they found me I don't even know and just whacked me with a lump hammer over my head I remember a car door going opening and I looked that way and I'd looked the wrong way basically and I went to turn that way <laughs> story of his life yeah and it and it was just that thing of you get sparked out all I've seen is a big white light I don't even remember the pain or anything like that and I just got knocked out and a taxi driver seen me flat out and got me in the car and took me to the hospital oh did he bless him yeah yeah no, cheers pal <laughs> um, and so back to you then Liam so this is my 
that's it, it's crushing point. But yours goes on for quite a period of time after. Did you sell your recruitment company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I talked about this the other day. We saw someone, I was like, I used to use him. And I said, you knocked a bit with gangsters and have all these funny stories. I said, I just got wrecked all the time. Like, I'm yeah. just like, I don't have... Not, like, he I he think... keeps calling them funny stories everywhere he goes. He calls them funny stories. I'm like, no, they're funny now. Like, they're funny now. <laughs> no, Mike tells funny stories. I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> no, but like, so I think with everything that went on when I was younger and I was, I, you know, like you said earlier, you can apply it to other things. I was driven, me. There were times where I would like give my mum money for shopping and stuff. You know what I mean? it was hard yeah. when my dad was away and um, and I always had something going so I'd always have like I think I sold donuts pens IDs arranged dues um, but he actually had the donuts yeah sell. I did I did, yeah. Yeah. I did. exactly <laughs> mine weren't fresh air yeah, mine was a legitimate legit. business yeah. <laughs> yeah and I always had that kind of thing so I'd always worked and all and so, I'd, and so I'd, I, I, I'm, I'm not one of these me where I can say oh I did this and that for money I didn't I, I actually earned money do you know what I mean and, um, so you was more of a functioning addict oh yeah Definitely, um, and so and that continued in work. You know, like I, when my mind's on something, I can I can be good. Do you know what I mean and stuff. So um, so yeah, businesses and houses and all this sort of stuff and all that was along the way. Um, and the the company that we that I worked in went well. My career was going up, and um, and when I went into the recruitment company, yeah, we we made it a good success, and we did sell it, yeah. And it was you know it was that was another thing where I thought we'll sell this, and it wasn't you know it was it was wasn't small change, you know. Um, we'll sell this. That's it then. I, I was like oh, that'll be it. I can yeah. like. Because I didn't enjoy recruitment, to be honest. I hated the industry. I, I think that didn't, it didn't work well. That. Um, and in actual fact, and the, the selling process was really long-winded. I think it took over two years. And in that process was the first time, because the buyers, or one of the sets of buyers who we were like shortlisting, asked about my dad's past. And that nearly, what would that be, about 15 years later, was the first time I discussed him being away as well. Like, it was mm-hmm. mad. It was like a really strange thing. Um, but I, mean, I was gone then. Like I was using 24-7. Like cork and prescription drugs. Yeah, so like I'd do things like so I'd be like I'd, I'd drink heavy because if I got caught being a bit levered, I could say I was drinking. I yeah. needed something that I could say that's what I'm doing. Visibly, be doing so much. You know yeah. what I mean? So my drinking wasn't great. I was hammering cork, and then I'd be like diazes, volume, and all that sort of stuff to kind of do all that. Um, and um, it just all got a bit much. Like at the end when we were selling, I think I'd like I'd had enough, and I'd had all this double life stuff going on. I wasn't being a good person really, and I thought it's all going to so come out. Did you at this point, like 30? Probably around that, yeah. Probably 29, 30 when we started so to did do you the sale. Um, yeah, two. Um, Bridget arrived kind of in the worst of it really if I'm truthful um, so I'd like that the work thing that wasn't doing me no favours the sale process and a lot of people die re- around me and I'm not saying that makes anything else but like because my head wasn't straight no, yeah, I, I course, was like yeah. I was like I, I thought it was karma I thought this is what you get for everything you've done and I used to think like that and then um, I had, so this sale process going on all this stuff with my dad were brought back and then we're, Vicky were pregnant with our third Vicky struggled a lot after the third pregnancy and I just used all the way through it. And I, just, I, I was like, probably sole care while she was struggling when she first came out and I was using, you know, it's, it was bad. Um, and yeah, so and like, I'd go into meetings, I said this to Matt before, I'd go into meetings, there'd be a legal team, corporate finance, there'd be solicitors, this, that and the other, and I'd be falling asleep in meetings, I wouldn't have slept for two days, I'd, I must have looked like an absolute mess. Um, I was literally falling asleep and my dad was going like that and I'd like then go out and use to, you know, like, and come 
back in and stay with them. Nuts, really. Um, but we did manage to get it sold. And when uh, when it sold, I like I said, I built it up to be this right. When that happens, my money in the bank, I don't have to do this thing I don't like and everything will be all right. Three days after I sold it, I would kick take my house. <laughs> because I've been caught cheating, that's the truth. Like, there's no good way of saying that, but I'm not going to lie about it, that's what it was. Um, I'd oh, been caught well, cheating. just had a baby as well. Yeah, 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 it was just bad, it was just bad. And um, so I kicked out, and then I just went on this, like, before I'd always, like, I'd pretend I was all right, you know what I mean? I'd always be bothered at Ella, and then I just spent about a good few months, 24-7 using, nowhere to be, no commitment, and a lot of money, and I just... Like it just all went nuts, like yeah, yeah, um, and still no one really knew at that time. Um, but my behaviour were getting noticed, not so much my using my behaviour. Um, I'd never been away from my kids, you know what I mean? Now I weren't in the house with them, and it was like it just killed me. And and like I said, all this other stuff going on, I thought everything was coming. I I I I used to say I was like I used to have this thing in my mind, like a ten step plan. Steps steps step ten is I'm gone, and I figured I was on about step seven eight, and there was nothing I could do. And all the people and every, all the bad stuff that was happening was calmer for the years I'd had before. Mm. I'd like to, I'd really, I had a really really twisted way of thinking for quite a bit and so yeah it just kept getting worse and then and then I started to get caught that's what happened with me so like whereas people knew about Mike's gambling yeah. and it weren't good everyone thought I was a businessman or a, a Thai boxer or a family man or whatever yeah. what actually happened is everyone's eyes like they all realised what I was do you know what I mean and I felt like it weren't good and then um, yeah it, just, it just all started coming out and then I went back home um, I managed to sort of work things out to a point and, and went back home um, and then I just kept I kept using and I think that's when it started to hit me really I can't stop again and yeah. kept using even though I was trying to get things back on track and then at Christmas everything came out and like my family put a plan in place and I got through like a dry Christmas um, for about two weeks and then I was using again and um, and then it, I got caught the amounts were getting stupid my behaviour was getting erratic and um, crashed four cars in a week I think it was um, just things just weren't good you know what I mean it was just bad yeah um, I mean, that's not great no no um, cars your cars mine Vicky's the higher one that I had while mine were being fixed you just oh, got him sat now it was a her <laughs> um, and so yeah everything were getting a bit on top and so I didn't really if I'm honest I didn't have that like right, I need to go to rehab my family decided that I needed to go to rehab yeah. um, and I just went along with anything and so then I went in there um, and I yeah I went in there and I went in I was put in suicide room for a few days and all that like I weren't in a good way and that and um, and then uh, I thought I, I honestly put everything into it, but Mark had started getting a bit nosy. Like he like whereas a lot of other people had kind of like sort of given me a bit of a wide berth. He started getting a bit nosy. I, I, and I kind of getting, crossed paths a bit I was more getting told stuff. when you you said something. Then you said about your using. It wasn't really that that was getting noticed. It was because I remember people saying the amounts that you were bringing out and taking and stuff, and I'd be thinking, wow. And then I'd bumped it like you say. I've let you say it, but I bumped into you a few times, so I knew what you were doing. And I knew the wheels had well and truly could come off. Yeah. Well, he started sticking his nose in, and when I'm in rehab, he was like, supportive, you know, he wrote to me and text me and phone me and stuff and all that. And I did come out thinking, I honestly come out thinking, I, I, I've had enough, like, I was I was tired. I, I was all, I, I was actually relieved everything had come out in the open, because, yeah. like, I didn't have this thing, like, I was looking over your shoulder all the time and that. Um, but then when I come out, I don't know, I, I don't like people saying I weren't ready, because I'm like, I was, I'd had enough, you know what yeah. I mean? I think of it a bit differently, but I don't know if I'm right to do that, but I, I came out and I weren't what I weren't ready I was ready to get well but I weren't ready for everything I'd left behind I come out yeah. thinking like I'm gonna be alright and then I came out and obviously this this successful person was no longer there like everyone looked at me different I felt like everyone was just disappointed 
and I came out to a lot of a destruction really that I'd left behind. Um, stuff at home was obviously not good, you know. Yeah. Um, really and wasn't. then no matter what your excuses are for that, that is incredibly difficult to yeah yeah it was to forgive even though you've because you've excused as well to me. I'd be like, we well, shouldn't have been taking drugs to that. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah, Vicky yeah, exactly, is like an yeah. incredible woman to be able to yeah. Well, she had her own issues along the way, and and, I, and and I look back now, and obviously I probably exaggerated every one of them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I made it worse. Yeah. Um, but she'd done a lot of work on herself. It's kind of funny how things work out. I think she was strong when she needed to be. Do you know what I mean? She yeah. was like, just well, funny how it works out. And, and then, but then I, I, I just re, I kept relapsing. And when you've been in there, when everybody knows you've got a problem and you've been in there, um, you can't use the way that you did because yeah. all eyes and ears are on you everything else. And it just got really dark really quickly. If it were bad before, this was like another level. So like the amount, I think I was, I genuinely, there were, there were times I think I thought I'm doing myself in. And like the amount where I was, using I was I was never with anyone I was like it was just it was bad um, and again Mike was sticking his nose in I think Vicky was having discussions with him for advice and all that sort of stuff um, Vicky made me plan my funeral at one point like it was so, uh, it, she like made me write my intentions out for my kids on my birthday when I'm not here um, so it was like it was all I think the hope and belief were just because I, I couldn't do it um, and then he like I say sticking his nose in probably but I mean he was curbing but it was like it was like relentless and then I woke up one morning and Vicky was like look can't have this chaos around the kids anymore you need to you need to go Mark said you can stay with him and I was on a train that day that yeah because you'd moved away hadn't you Mark uh, yeah because I'd been I went to rehab in the Midlands I'd relocated there you probably it's the first time we've ever really spoke about it in that much depth but that thing of me sticking my nose in in all honesty if anybody there's other lads that have been out of school I'd always give him a message and say with Liam he had Vicky and the other curing friend James and they were both contacting me saying what can what can we do and I was sort of trying to be hard hitting and, and I said to James in, it's in one of the recordings that he does for us I said you're going to be planning his funeral soon if he doesn't stop it's simple as and I knew I'd bumped into him a few times um, he was telling me that he weren't using as much and all that and I knew it was all bullshit that because that's like me saying well I'm not going to bet on roulette I'll bet on football Yeah. Um, so I knew the wheels had come off of him and I was in in the Midlands so that thing of him saying they made this plan of Liam coming staying with me in all honesty it was sp- as much as I was being supportive that side of it was sprung on me <laughs> no because Vicky was like very assertive like going I've never even told you this um, but it was like, is he all right coming staying with you? And I was like, yeah, but I'm, I'm more thinking, I've got a one-bedroom flat. Not for me. I'd have 10 people staying with me. I were more embarrassed or thinking that he would think that he didn't want to stay, stay there. Yeah. So I contacted him and I, I, I said, look, mate, you can come down and stay with me. I remember him offering me to get an hotel. But there's a nice hotel, face it. I thought, well, he's got the money. He can stay in an hotel. He don't want to stay in my dingy flat. And he's like, no, I want to stay with you, mate. I think I'll be safer with you. And I'm like, I'm fine. So I jiggled my place about a little bit, moved a few ornaments in front of the room because it was that small. And he turned up with a bloke bed. And he literally turned put it up. up every every night, put it down every morning. Yeah, it was that small. Like, I couldn't uh, even leave it up because it was like, <laughs> well, like that in a, in a flat. Having crumpets every night. Like, is well, that what you was like? This is an all time law. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's in fact that <laughs> is what. Yeah, he goes. Sometimes we're in school doing a presentation. He goes, and I'm going about like being kidnapped, and he goes, and he ended up on a bloat bed in his front room. <laughs> and I'm like, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> but, At least you weren't kidnapped, mate. No, no, but when he turned up 
God, it's mad looking at him now because it's just defeated. I remember him getting off the train. He looked, he looked like a frigging eight-year-old little lad getting off train, meeting somebody. And he's like smoking. I didn't even know he smoked. I'm like, do you smoke? <laughs> smoking in mine. Um, and then, smoked at his kitchen window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and really saw so that time of him sort of coming living with me. He always says, Mark helped me like establish my recovery, but he saved my life. He saved mine because my recovery, as much as it was strong, I wasn't gambling. I was proper alone. I was still yeah. away from all my friends and family four years after stopping gambling, yeah. coming home at the weekends. So in coming down and me feeling like I had a purpose, not just focusing on getting my illness sorted, helping my mate out and, and watching him sort of turn things around, it, sa- it saved my life as well, or certainly turned my life around. Yeah. And so then how long did you live with each other for? Like four months, Four months, yeah, but four or five months, yeah. And then you've come back up living with Vicar? Yeah, 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 yeah. So down there and, um, and then, yeah, came back up. I had to try and put it in place at home, yeah. And so when did you come back up? Um, I came back up about 12 months later. So I, literally it was like, I'd been mates with Liam all through my 20s, but it was more like bumping into each other at a wedding. And we'd always shared the same best mate, really, in Mez. He's really close to Mez, I'm yeah. close to Mez. Um, so we were catching up, really, and we started talking about school. And I'm like, what? You started using drugs at school? And he's like, you were gambling at school. And then we went on to, he had a recruitment company, I was a QS, and we were like, I wouldn't have thought you were an addict. And he's going, I wouldn't have thought you were an addict. I knew what was going on. And we just smashed all stereotypes of addicts whose whose life had been ruined. And really, that's when we started thinking, wise up. There's what something. we've lived is different to what we thought of addiction and all that. And we just thought, there's something in this. I bet there's a lot of people who think the addict is just this one type. And this, yeah, that, and cool. yeah, everybody would do it. Unless you've experienced it, somebody close to you has experienced it but I think now it's becoming more known from people like yourselves that um, functioning addicts there is such yeah, thing yeah. and there's yeah, people yeah. Who, you, who you wouldn't think are and then they, they turn over being like oh that makes yeah. sense actually yeah. um, and so you've moved back up north then because you was like, oh, we should do something to help other people, or there's some foundations in this. Yeah, there the, the were a foundation there. We started having this chat. I had something um, upcoming at Parliament, and I thought I can I can sort of table this idea at Parliament whilst I'm doing it. I'm a bit clever. I did it really. I said, I'm did this speech about being sorry to me mum and my mum was there and then I sort of hit him in the face and, and wise up so they're all going what's this wise up so we were sort of what do you mean at parliament I got asked so to do it he's a bit of a success story with rehab and they wheel him out because there's not many gamblers to recover like Mark has you know because it's, it's legal and stuff and because you know it's and because there's no test for it like you can test me for drugs and alcohol you can't test a gambler uh, so for okay. someone to be six years in and not have relapsed is massive uh, and so okay. his rehab wheel him out there's a reason they ask him every time do you know what I'm saying he's a good what, so to Parliament, like oh, the Houses of Parliament. So yeah. like, what are you go chatting to MPs and that? Oh, That's like, a nice, well, nice Shug- easy start. Alan Sugar, was, he's a lord, isn't he? So he was yeah. walking about, and Boris Johnson and all them was there, and John Prescott. No way. And I li- and what I did is, my mum, they said your mum can come as well. So but they, what they wanted is a speech on me turning my life around. So I literally started off from childhood, my mum bringing me up well, being successful at sport gambling what it did to me and what it did to my family and then it was an apology to my mum so my mum was stood there my mum's crying her eyes and the people are crying and all that but then the final bit was and recently a friend that's been in addiction as well has come living with me and we realised you know we can put 
put our experiences to a lot of good now instead of bad um, and, um, and we've, we've formed something called Wise Up really it was just an idea we'd not even delivered it anywhere yeah. but people were like whoa what's Wise Up you know and then they started asking about it then we had to go and like let's get let's get it going um, so where it was formed and the idea is from a pretty special time in our lives and it's about two schoolmates reconnecting and 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 thinking this idea um and it's weird the timing of it all like you said addiction mental health um it seems just of all just to come yeah. to the, the forefront and yeah. we've not timed it that way and, and we believe in fate i think it was just like maybe our generation though it is like our generation because the ones before they were, even though it's still not a big thing for mental health in my mum's era but in our area this seems to be the area where it's making all these changes where everybody is a bit more of a trioga and is openly it, oh these are my feelings this is my thing let's all talk about mental yeah. illness and all the rest of it so it's brought it out more so people are getting better I guess they're becoming better humans yeah. but it does seem to be it's the generational thing yeah and you've got to go through like we were like 10 plus years and I think you've got to go through that to see all the damage it can yeah. cause to think you want to do something about it so we are probably that generation of the first one to start and speaking up yeah also, what's and wait, because before it was like people, even if they would have recovered, there's still this shame thing, and we don't talk about things. Whereas our era is a bit like it's fine to have a mental illness, it's, it's fine to be yeah, an ex addict, people yeah. can still forgive you. That's what I wanted to ask you. So, like, what are the relationships like? So, you're two years in, you're six years yeah. in, and there's still people who are like, I will never speak to you again, or is pretty much everybody now like, right, you proved yourself, it's been six years, two years. My family, um, I'll, I'll go back to parliament. My mum came to see with me, I thought it was a, a, like a mega day, my mum was like so proud of me, she's hugging me, on the train, on the way home, she didn't speak to me. I was like, what are you doing, sort of thing, and she was sort of saying, yeah, well, it might have been alright for you, but it weren't alright for me, that's just brought it all back. Thanks for listening. Please remember to visit www.michaela-wayne.co.uk. Subscribe to the podcast, leave your feedback, and don't troll.